and welcome to the Quarter to Three Games Podcast. My name is Tom Chick. Oh, and I'm Jason McMaster. You know what? And, and we're throwing Jared into the deep end. We didn't explain to Jared that he, that he should introduce himself. No, and I wasn't paying attention. I just zoned out. So that's, yeah, that's really, it's a good start. <laughs> Let's do take two. Hello, welcome to the Quarter to Three podcast. I am Tom Chick. And I'm Jason McMaster. And I'm Jared Breen. Much better. That went way better. Now, Jared, are you in your relation to, say, an evil collaborator who might let interdimensional aliens take over an entire city and might help run the city on their behalf? Are you in any relation to someone like that? Even if I was, that would be classified. <laughs> uh, do you I, like? I never knew that that was an actual last name. Uh, were you delighted to see that in Half Life Two, or were you dismayed? A little bit of both, actually. It kind of surprised me to actually see my particular last name being slung around because it's not one that you see too terribly often, um, it, especially given the origins of how I got it in the first place. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not what I expected to see on um, the antagonist of one of those major game franchises. Wait a minute. Given the origins of how you got it, that that makes it sound like you there was a heist involved and you stole it from a museum or something. What? I suppose it does make it sound a little more interesting than it actually was. Um, uh, the name, in my case at least, originally comes from uh, O'Brien, the Irish name. Uh, oh. It was changed when my ancestors came over during the Irish potato famine to avoid the discrimination at the time. Okay, it was well, kind of rampant against Irish people. Now I feel bad for making light of it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I live to bring everything down. Uh, Jared, we're not going to let you do that on this podcast because you have valuable information that we want. But first of all, uh, I, I apologize for carrying this over from last week, Jared, but we need your help with something. Uh, I, th- I think McMaster was a little derelict on his duty about something oh. we did last week. Yeah. So here's the deal. We're going to present you with a dilemma. And we want to know what choice you would make in this dilemma. Now, you live in Minneapolis. Let's say you've done something wonderful for Minneapolis and you get a reward. I'm going to give you one option for a reward. McMaster is going to give you another option. And if he does it like he did it last week, McMaster will leave a crucial bit of information out. We'll see what happens. But first of all, so let's say, Jared, you've, you've done some heroics in Minneapolis. And Minneapolis says to you, Jared... In recognition of what you've done, we are going to give you the option at any time to pull out your cell phone and call up one of those little short school buses full of zombies who won't hurt you, but they will run amok, and you can use them however you like. That's what we have to offer you. McMaster, what do you have to offer, Jared? You can call Burt Reynolds, who sends a SWAT team. So okay, is that you want. What else, McMaster? Does he get anything else out of the deal? Because I think you – I didn't – McMaster, I'm so disappointed in you. Because here's the thing. Not only does the SWAT team show up, he can also call Burt Reynolds himself to show up. You can? Isn't that the case? Yeah. Oh. Oh, well, then I – yeah, okay. Well, that's much better then. Jeez. I mean, it definitely sweetens the pot to know that Burt Reynolds himself could show up. Now, so, so Jared, would you opt Mm -hmm. for a short school bus full of zombies or Burt Reynolds and a SWAT team as your recruitable allies in recognition of your deeds? What, what would you choose? Am I allowed to ask one clarification? Sure, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Is Burt Reynolds wearing a big hat? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's Burt Reynolds, man. He's got a cowboy hat on. Oh, so awesome. Really big hat? Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, it has to be an exceptionally large hat. Well, it, you know, it's not Norm MacDonald or Reynolds Vig, but I mean, you know. Okay, close. It's large. Okay, I have, I have a quick I'll question as well. I have a quick question as well. Does he yes. have his mustache or is he clean shaven? Oh, surely he has the mustache. Okay. Yes. All right. So, Jared, is there any other information you need before you make an informed decision? How many SWAT team members are there actually? <laughs> McMaster, what do you have to say about that? Uh, six to eight, I believe. Yeah, but okay. you got like a dozen zombies, so. Yeah, but they're zombies. That's only a dozen, and they are zombies. That's true. I'm gonna have to give it to the SWAT team this time around. Oh, yes. all right. So, so McMaster, that means the score is now one to one. Yes. And I, you know what? I think it's because you left out the fact that Burt Reynolds shows up. How could you, Ugh, McMaster? It is a key detail. <laughs> I, I really, yeah, I, I really didn't know that he showed up. I thought it was just kind of like you got to talk to him. But, yeah, man. All right, well, that's uh, it's currently a tie. Jared, thank you for uh, weighing in there. I also need your help on something else, Jared. All right. You live in Minneapolis, but you said you are from a mystical land that I've never visited. Uh, it's a land known as North Dakota, and I've for a long time been under the misapprehension that, that uh, Jason L. McMaster lived in North Dakota. Jason L. McMaster, that's not where you live, am I right? That's you live in, like, Illinois or something, right? Closer, Very, much closer. <laughs> one of those, one of those kind of places. But, but Jared, you actually are from, and you said you were raised in North Dakota. That is correct. What is North Dakota like? Is I just think of it as, like I said, it's a, a mystical land that may or may not exist, like a unicorn. Uh, disabuse me of that notion. What is it actually like there? It's like a flat Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> very, very cold, lots of snow, but not a lot of mountains. And can a I bunch ask, of Scandinavian-type people. Can I ask a dumb question? Yes. Okay, so Virginia and Carolina, I kind of understand that they're broken into two halves. You know, there's a whole lot of Civil War faffing about. Uh, they're crowded over there. They don't have as much room. Why does North Dakota? Why does Dakota need two whole states? It's a good question. There isn't really a whole lot there. It's kind of hard to justify that when I sit down and think about it. So historically, do you know, being from uh, one of the Dakotas, do you know why there are two separate ones? That's a question I should be able to answer. I know that about 10 years ago, I probably would have been able to answer it for you. Um, <laughs> it's one of those at this point in time, yeah, it's, yeah, and you made room for other stuff to know, like more important, relevant things. Right. Yeah. Like which one's better. And how many points uh, it, you have invested in destruction magic in Skyrim, that kind of thing. That takes oh, yeah. I'm playing Skyrim, I'd have a good answer for that one. But Are you not playing Skyrim? No, I'm not in that cool club yet. You know what? We might then have a Skyrim-free podcast. Stay tuned. We'll find out. Uh, and WoW-free. Oh, good for you. Good on you. Uh, I applaud you. Uh, Jason L. McMaster, I have a question for you. Yeah. Name three cities in North Dakota. Go. Um. <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Uh, geography was never in my strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> the only one I was I was I was terrified you might actually be able to come up with two, McMaster, but I think Oh no, no. Well Bismarck, isn't that in North Dakota? That's the capital, yep. Okay, what are two other famous cities in North Dakota? Are there two such cities, Jared? Fargo. Is Far oh, I was you know, I honestly thought Fargo and then I was like, is that uh, I was I was thinking that was Minnesota. No, the movie takes place in Minnesota, despite being called Fargo. 
Okay, actually, right, right. I forget exactly which town it is. I think it was Bemidji or somewhere in Minnesota, but yeah, it's definitely not Fargo, North Dakota per se. But Fargo is a city in North Dakota. So uh, could you name? A- I didn't want to be a jerk. <laughs> is there a third famous city in North Dakota? Um, uh, I'm trying to think. The closest that you'd probably get it would be a toss-up between Grand Forks or Minot. Oh, known for the Air Force Base that it has there. It's got a bunch of missile yeah. silos around I've it. I've heard of uh, Grand Forks. Yeah. Grand yeah. Forks. Um, yeah, that one got flooded out uh, about 14 years ago, which is when it actually started to get some sort of recognition around the country. I'll definitely give you Grand Forks. Yeah, so you've got three famous cities, which I would say, Jared, is probably one famous city more than Arkansas has. So congratulations. <laughs> we take what we can get. Yeah. Uh, why did you leave North Dakota? Employment. The employment opportunities in North Dakota don't really um, didn't really suit my educational goals. So I majored in economics in college, and there aren't a whole lot of business level or banking level or that sort of just finance type mm-hmm. of uh, positions available in North Dakota. They're a little too rural, a little too agricultural. Mm-hmm. And now with your day job, you help uh, bilk homeowners of their hard-earned money. Am I right? Not necessarily. <laughs> no, uh, um, no, it's not exactly what we do. Um, but you, you do work in, uh, you said you were a mortgage processor, right? Okay. Yep. Do you feel, got, uh, how do you feel about your job? Are you, uh, is it, is it like working in healthcare where you should be ashamed of what you're doing or no? Um, it's sort of profession, just the whole general um, field. You get the, Initial expectations that people have, you know, when you tell someone that you work in the mortgage industry, they get a certain sort of thought as to what it is you do, mm-hmm. um, what the, your goals are on a day-to-day basis. And it, when you're actually there yourself, it's quite a bit different. Uh, I mean, I don't want to you know, get a whole lot of detail about it, but just in general, um, it's not quite as bad as a lot of people always make it out to be, and the profession as a whole is really tightening itself up and pulling itself together from what it was a few years ago. As, as I can imagine. Yeah. It really doesn't have a a choice. choice Yeah. 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 Uh, All right. Your homework, Jared, is to see a movie called margin call. Have you, do you know that movie? I have heard of it. Okay. Familiar with it by name. It's uh, it's great stuff. And, uh, it even, I'm, I'm going to, this is going to sound a little condescending, but I'll, I'll even say it presents you people in a sympathetic light. Excellent. So there you go. Kind of sympathetic. Uh, yeah, and I'll take right. what I can get. Yeah. You know. Uh, <laughs> all right, McMaster, Jason L. McMaster, have you seen Margin Call? I have not. All right. That is, by the way, I would say probably about the worst name for a movie you could come up with. I would be hard pressed to think. Yeah, I would be hard pressed to think of something that would less make me want to watch a, a movie. Uh, so. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's talk about things. Video gaming related. Let's talk oh. about. Oh yes, McMaster. Oh no, that was just saying. Oh, that's exciting. Ah, you, you perked up. Ooh. Yeah, this, all, all, <laughs> you thought all that mortgage talk was going to go on. Yeah. Uh, let Let's instead talk video games. Let's talk about a game of the week, a news story of the week, and a and a post of the week on quarter to three. Jared Breen as our guest. What would you choose for your post of the week on quarter to three? Oh. Oh, oh, 
Oh, you sound you sound like there's you have some trepidation about this. No, no, no. I know exactly which post we were going to talk about. It's one that you guys completely glossed over last week, probably because it hadn't really taken off just yet. Uh-huh. I am going to choose Angie Gallant's thread, Hotful Boyfriend, a dating game about pigeons. Ah, uh, wait a minute. A dating game about pigeons. I refuse to believe such a thing exists. Oh, it does. All you need to do is click on the thread. It's more horrible than you could possibly imagine. So, Jared, when you say a dating game about pigeons, you're speaking metaphorically. Oh, no. Well, quite literally. <laughs> not uh, actually. It's metaphorically, but not, no, it's quite serious. Not actual pigeons. It's like people dressed as pigeons. I wish. Pigeons date? Pigeons and humans. Yeah, it's a pigeon-human cross. Wrap your head around that. Yeah. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm not comfortable with this. Hold on. <laughs> Neither would be the pigeons. <laughs> hey! Exactly. Sorry. <laughs> so, wait a minute. Hold on. How does that even... I don't even want to know how that works. Okay, so, Jared, tell me what's going on in this thread. This thread is something of a spin-off of several of Angie's previous threads where she played all sorts of bizarre Japanese games, uh, all various dating sims. This one kind of goes off the deep end in that it's not one of the, I hesitate to use the word, normal um, dating sims where it's humans and humans, but instead it is a human female attending a school for pigeons. How did she get in? You know, sluggy. <laughs> Sounds like a clerical <laughs> error at work. So, so it's a woman dating dude pigeons? As I understand it, yes. I'm not an expert on pigeon anatomy, but I'd assume that to be the case. Uh, I, I don't know what to think of this, Jared. Uh, <laughs> right? Neither do I. So, Wow. And, and McMaster, you've seen this? This is actual. You can verify that there's such a game and that Angie is playing it. Yeah, no, uh, I talked to I talked to Angie uh, pretty regularly, and uh, I was talking to her while she was playing it, and yeah, it's horrifying. Uh, yeah, actually, the thread was uh, mentioned on Kotaku and a few other sites too. Honestly, lock paper shotgun. So like, it got like a lot of attention. Wow, well, good for Angie. She does uh, she does great stuff, and uh, she can sort of eviscerate a game like no one else. So uh, That's very true. It, so is the game is the game ongoing? Is it over? Uh, this is like an older thread. You said, Jared, uh, is this a, a, no, a it's, actually this thread is from November twenty eighth. Okay, and I just one note to show just how frequently it's been viewed. It has one hundred and six thousand views right now, accumulated in less than ten days. That's more than the Skyrim post-release uh, spoiler-free topic or the Dungeons of Dreadmore topic. But is it more than the Dominion's three thread? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, all right, so that is your not only just a post of the week, a thread of the week. It uh, is pretty much a thread of the week. It's an experience. If any of you haven't looked at it, you absolutely should because it's completely ridiculous. And say the name of it again, Jared, because it sounded like you fumbled some of the vowels and screwed up. So let's let's do take two on the name of the game. Go. Hotful boyfriend. Mm, yeah, I don't think you got that right. Hotful is not a word. What is that? What are you saying even? <laughs> it's a pun, as I understand it. I'm not an expert on that, but it supposedly has to do with both uh, the word heart and the Japanese word for pigeon or bird, one or the other. I, I can't tell if that's sweet or disturbing. I'm, I'm going to go equal parts both. <laughs> Emphasis on the disturbing if I have to. But. All right, so good. Uh, Angie Gallant's 
pigeon dating thread uh, sounds pretty epic. McMaster, what do you have to top that? Um, that's a good question. My uh, browser just crashed, so hold on a second. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. Uh, I'm going to get hold. Hold on a second, McMaster. Jared, I'm going to guess he's going to bring up some like League of Legends thread. That's no, what McMaster no. always does. Yeah, he's just kind of talking about League of Legends. I bet. Everything. Either that or Defense of the Ancients too. Watch it. Watch. I bet he's gonna. I bet he's gonna boast about playing Defense of the Ancients too. Okay. Okay, McMaster. How is what is your browser situation looking like over there? I got it back. Um, my post of the week actually is in the Star Wars: The Old Republic thread. Oh, burn. Um, <laughs> and it comes from Scotty Puck, and uh, it's really more of an kind of an interesting thing to me. Uh, the, the Star Wars early access is now set to begin on the 13th instead of the 15th. And ah. you won't know when you'll actually get to start until like midnight on the 12th or whatever, or 13th. Uh, and they'll start mailing out like information to join the game. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Let's say I've pre-ordered Star Wars The Old Republic because I want to start playing early. I want to make sure that I get the name Darth Chick before anyone else, that nobody steals it from me. So I want to be ready to pounce onto the servers as soon as they go live. That's what I should, you know, that's the privilege I earn from pre-ordering, right? So what you're telling me, McMaster, is that I don't, I don't get that? That is correct so you kind of it's it's weird now they're doing it but like they uh yeah they're um they don't really tell you when you get to start it just kind of like is based on when you registered your code and but you can't really you know uh have other MMOs done that? Like, I, it, it's always been my experience that you know you pre-order and at some point they switch on the servers and all the early access people can jump on and start playing. Uh, right. Is is this sort of like a gradual rollout unusual? Um, yeah, actually, yeah, you don't really see that. This is a first for me, at least. All right, so you said on the on midnight on the twelfth, those of us who are ready to jump in and play. Can what l- like we'll get the, they'll start emailing people or is there some place that we check what happens at, at midnight on the twelfth? You'll they'll start sending out the emails for information. That's as far as I I understand at this point. Lovely. So we basically twiddle our thumbs until they say that we can start playing. Now, uh, you said that instead of the fifteenth, this starts on the thirteenth. Will there be some people who won't even be on yet by the fifteenth? Do we know that? Yes, that they yeah I don't believe uh, they'll be able to start until maybe the last couple of days. That's what I'm to understand now. I don't know for sure. All right, all right. So McMaster, you grab the uh, torches. Jared, you grab the pitchforks, and uh, we'll meet in front of uh, EA's headquarters. You guys ready? Sounds good. I'm all for it. <laughs> that is that is kind of that must be very disheartening because I know a lot of early adopter video gamers like us, we want to start playing, you know, as soon as something goes live on Steam, as soon as something's on Xbox Live, uh, we want to know when we can jump in and start playing. Uh, this kind of having to like sit and wait, uh, that that must be that must be pretty discouraging. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, knowing me wrong, I registered mine quite a while ago. But uh, uh, yeah, it's kind of irritating. 
All right. Uh, McMaster, are you going to be mad if I'm in playing before you are? Because I never pre-ordered. Yes, I'll be very angry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Jared, will you be playing Star Wars The Old Republic? Um, Unfortunately, I will not be joining you for that. I can't say I blame you. I know. I can't can't say I blame you. Uh, All right. So uh, that's your post of the week. That actually sounds like bad news, McMaster. It sounds like strange news. (laughs) I I don't understand. Like, I... It's I don't really mind so much in a way, but uh, because I've I know I'll probably be in in the first couple of days, but it it seems kind of like unfortunate for anybody that you know, right? All right, so Scotty Puck apparently bearer of strange news. Uh, so McMaster, don't take this the wrong way, but I think Jared's post of the week was way better than yours. Nothing personal. Ah, oh, so hurtful. <laughs> But you won the point on the SWAT versus zombies debate. So well, that's that's all I really want. Got that going. Uh, Jared Breen, yes. what would you choose for news of the week? Oh, news of the week. I am I was a little torn on this one, mm-hmm. uh, but having had a chance to put my hands on it in the last few hours, I am going to go with the recently re- released uh, Defense Grid expansion, including portal content. Ah, that's right. They have GLaDOS-related stuff, yes. like GLaDOS missions. Yeah, um, called Defense Grid, You Monster, <laughs> and it features eight additional missions that have GLaDOS in them. Uh, each mission is going to have its own specific little quirks to it that aren't in the base game to keep things interesting. It has a whole bunch of extra stuff aside from that, but the main appeal is going to be getting chewed out by GLaDOS because you suck at tower defense. <laughs> well, you know what? So here's I'm glad you mentioned this, Jared, because... Uh, Jason L. McMaster was bragging earlier about having uh, an early build of uh, what Ardain, Defense of Ardania. What's it called, McMaster? I don't even know the name of it. Defense of Ardania. Oh, it is. Defense of Ardania, which is a tower defense game from the guys that did Majesty 2 that I'm, I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, actually, you know what? I don't think it's the same team. It's the same setting and the same engine, but I think a different team is doing the uh, tower defense game using uh, Majesty 2 assets. Uh so I'm a big fan of tower defense games, but I have never played Defense Grid. So, uh, Jared, what makes Defense Grid special? You said you've only started playing the uh, GLaDOS missions, but I presume you've yep. played the base game? Yes, I finished the base game and a handful of the expansion missions that they gave out. Um, it's cheap DLC previously. So tell me about the base game. Is it just uh, sort of vanilla tower defense? Is there anything that makes it stand out? Why, do, why have you played through the whole base game? It's very vanilla tower defense. I, I would agree with that. It's uh, It doesn't do anything that completely blows your mind with regards to the gameplay itself. It's got a standard group of towers that do about what you'd expect. It's got an upgrade mechanic. Um, it's got several different types of enemies to keep mm-hmm. you interested. The map design is extremely good. That was mm-hmm. be one thing I would mark. Some of the early maps, just while they're teaching you the game, very straightforward, but then it can get extremely complicated and gives you a lot of versatility mm-hmm. in how you want to handle it. Um, one thing I'll mention before I get to the real heart of it, um, it is a console-friendly game in terms of how it was set up. The interface, the, you can play it on PC extremely well, but it does play very well on a controller as well, so I figure that's also noteworthy. But aside from all of that, mm-hmm. I, one of my favorite things about Defense Grid is the banter, the narration, the the overall story, if you take it by itself, is pretty lame. But the narrator who does all the narration, is fantastic. And yeah, like, little bits and quips that they throw in as you play, uh, they're very entertaining. 
So is it uh, is it like a, a robot AI or is it like a commander military dude or what what it's, kind of? It's a robot AI. Um, it's the guy with the British accent who actually does all the speaking, and it's the whole the story is effectively you are the last human and he's the last AI, and the AI controls the whole tower system, and so you two work together to stop the aliens from stealing the cores that power the AI and keep the defense grid online. Is the basic Sorry. pattern, Jared, that, that the, the the attackers come through and they pick up the cores and they have to get back out with the cores? Am I right yes. about that? Yeah, so just picking up the cores is not enough. It. You have to actually, yeah, you got to kill them before they get off the side of the map. And do they go out the same way they came in, or I guess? That depends. Okay. It varies quite heavily. So early maps, you'll have them come in and leave from the same point. Later on, they'll add different exit paths. So you got to construct your maze differently depending on how the map is set up. I, I like that variation because normally aliens get in and they just chip some hit points off of your base. Uh, but the yeah. fact that they have to carry. So uh, does that mean they pick up the cores and if you kill them on the way out, the core is sitting there vulnerable where they died? When, they, when the enemy carrying the core dies, the core drifts back to its point of origin, okay. but very slowly. So if another enemy is right behind it, that one will just grab ah. the core instead and make off with it from that starting point. You gotta start all over. So losing a couple of cores, getting them even halfway across the map, it's just a downward spiral from there. Right. Now here's here's a question I have. Uh, as someone who likes a lot of tower defense games, I think one of the challenges in making a good tower defense game is giving the player something to do during the gameplay, other than waiting to get enough money to build the next tower or waiting yeah. to upgrade a tower. And one of the w- one example of this is in Plants vs Zombies. You're just clicking on sun drops, and it's busy work, but you kind of feel involved. A better yeah. example: there's a fantastic game uh, that came out this year called Toy Soldiers Cold War, where you're playing it's a tower defense game but you're playing basically an action game as well you're a super powerful character and you can man the guns and you can fly vehicles so that on the in the spectrum of of involving the player uh i think of cold war as the best case example plants vs zombies is just kind of busy work uh is there anything along that spectrum in tower defense in tower in defense grid in Defense Grid, you spend most of your time uh, keeping track of where the enemies are, keeping track of what sort of enemies are going to be coming up next, so you can have the appropriate towers in place to counteract them. It's not a strict um, you know, rock, paper, scissors sort of counter system, but okay. you need to have, if there are stealth enemies coming up, you need to have a detection of some kind or some splash damage, things like that. Um, so you're focusing on upgrading your towers. You have tons of money that, keep, that just keeps flowing in as you kill enemies, so you got to keep spending that. Um, you have the ability also uh, to use a laser. The laser is your orbital weapon. It's extremely powerful. It'll kill anything in one hit. Sort oh, of so way. you do. You you are directly interacting then and killing things. Yes, but the thing with the laser is that you have to really judge when you want to use it because it has an atrociously long recharge. Ah, time. right. You cannot right. spam the laser. It's not going to be like clicking sun drops or in a game like uh, Soul Survivor where you can continually call down different strikes on a regular basis. It's just your one laser. It's pretty much the gigantic orbital gun, and it will one-shot anything that you target it on. So you can use it to catch that guy who's just about to walk off the edge of the map at the very end of the last wave. You can get him, no problem. If you need to use it in the middle of the match, you have to really decide when you want to use it because that thing's going to take probably three to five minutes to recharge. Right. Now, do you know much yet about what kind of unique tweaks, like GLaDOS-related tweaks, are in the expansion? Um, The first couple levels with GLaDOS were released during uh, Steam Summer Sale, I think, or back when Portal 2 came out or somewhere around there as part of their whole uh, potato thing that they did. on Steam, they let you play a couple levels with GLaDOS. They were fairly standard levels, just with GLaDOS narration uh, along with the AI commander. 
the GLaDOS is just making fun of you the whole time in, in standard portal style. Um, I played just earlier today the first level, the first new one in the DLC, and I've, I'm not going to spoil anything beyond the first thing that GLaDOS does, but you notice that when you start the first level, you're already missing one tower type. <laughs> Simply pulled out of your arsenal, and there's nothing else said about it. GLaDOS says that she has a new way of... Uh, she's, all, she's always testing you. It's all in the form of an AI test of some kind. And she says that uh, she wants to see how you'll adapt to changing battlefield situations. And so what she does, uh, I'm only going to say the first thing that she does, um, you lay out your towers to start defending the first part. It's fairly standard looking. And then after about five waves, she analyzes how many towers you've built and what types, finds the most common tower you built, makes a snide comment about it, and takes them all away. <laughs> you, get refu- you get refunded for the purchase price of the towers. So it doesn't break the balance of it. But now you suddenly have gigantic holes in your defenses, and another wave is already pouring out. There's nothing you can do about it except to slap down more towers as fast as you can. Oh, that is wonderful. So you for know, me, I built I built about a dozen of the gun towers, which in that game are the very basic, um, do-everything sort of towers. Uh-huh. And suddenly they're all gone. My walls have just vanished, and guys are just walking straight up to the cores to grab them. There's That's nothing lovely. I can do to stop them. It's atrocious. I'm so mad. Uh, you know, one of the things that I really like uh, is, you know, when a, a, a tower defense game or any strategy game really shakes up the balance like that, throws you a curveball, forces you to sort of make do with, with fewer resources or different kind of resources. Uh, yeah. That's lovely. Uh, have you played uh, Orcs Must Die by any chance? I have not. I picked it up just recently when it was 75% off, but I have yet to actually put in time with it. I will I was, eventually. Well, I was really disappointed in how that game kind of failed to push you into using different kinds of resources. Uh, I felt like in Orcs Must Die, I settled on one kind of basically tower, and I just used that throughout the entire campaign and never needed to use anything else. Uh, you know, I, I think that's a kind of a failing of a tower defense game. Uh, McMaster, uh, can you, you you've, have you played much of the uh, iPad version of Defense of Ardania? Not much, just uh, the first level so far. Okay. Uh, do you know much? Now, that game, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't that have a kind of a heavy uh, spell-based gameplay where while you're doing tower defense, you're also casting different spells? Uh, yeah, you are uh, casting spells and also sending troops out. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, you know what? As a matter of fact, uh, I remember seeing Defenders of Ardania. One of the things, it almost looks like it's not just a tower defense game. It's just a straight-up RTS. Yeah, like in a build, way. Yeah, you're building units, you're casting spells, and you're building defenses. Uh, at what point does a tower defense game just become a real-time strategy game? Maybe Defenders of Ardania. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's getting close because, yeah, I mean, it's like you have the set paths and everything, but at the same time, yeah, I know what you mean. What game does that remind you of, Jason L. McMaster? Uh, I can't put my <laughs> finger on it. No. <laughs> yeah, monsters stream through one way constantly. Uh, one thing, Jared, that I like in a tower defense game, and not a lot of tower defense games don't do this, and I can understand that, but uh, Plants vs. Zombies is a great example of this. Uh uh, there's a an iPad an iPhone game called Defender Chronicles that does this. Uh, I think there's there's one. I'm, oh oh, good lord, Dungeon Defenders. So these three hmm. games have a great meta game where you're unlocking stuff, you're leveling things, uh, especially Dungeon Defenders. Uh, is there any sort of meta game in Defense Grid? No, aside from the standard unlocks, you know, they start you on the first level with a couple of towers, and then they start to give you more as you progress through the campaign. There is no progression 
Okay. Outside of any individual level. Well, I will say Dungeon Defenders does not have GLaDOS in it, so. That's true. It's a major selling point. Yeah. Uh, all right, so news of the week are the new uh, levels. Interestingly enough, that's not your game of the week, Jared. Huh. No. Well, we'll see where that goes. Jason L. McMaster, I'm guessing that you and I have the same news story of the week. Really? I think so. Because for me, there's one big piece of news that I understand why Jared doesn't bring it up. Uh, I can't oh. imagine wanting to talk about anything but that. So I'm going to let you go first to see if we do have the same news story of the week. <laughs> oh, I know we do now that you've said and that is Since you've hinted at it so hard. Well, and we know that, Jared, we found out before the podcast, yeah. Jared, for some weird reason, doesn't have an Xbox 360. Go figure. Because uh, it's crazy. Yeah, actually, Jared, what, what is it? Yeah, why don't you have a 360? And how do you play, for instance, uh, Halo Reach? Oh, Halo Reach, you should hear my rants about console FPS games. Oh, really? You're one of those. I'm one of those guys. Yeah. (laughs) You're one of those guys who hasn't figured out how to use a gamepad yet to control a first-person shooter? Yeah, sure. <laughs> now, uh, well, you know what? Hold that thought because I wanted when we talk about our games of the week. Uh, there's there's a specific game. I, if if it's not your game of the week, I want to talk about it with you because I know you play it and it's on the PS3. So uh, we'll get we'll get in a moment to uh, first person shooters and console systems. So hold that thought. Sure, we will. Uh, but you don't have a 360. You have a you have a Wii. You have a PS3. Uh, all right. Uh, well, in that case, McMaster, I'm guessing our news story of the week won't apply to Jared. Am I right? That is correct. All right, so what is? I'm going to let you scoop me, and you go first, McMaster. What's what's the news of the week for you? Uh, the news of the week is the new Xbox 360 Terms of Service seeks to block class action lawsuits. So, mm. <laughs> basically, yes. <laughs> Taking a cue from our friends at Sony, <laughs> Microsoft didn't want to be outdone, so uh, yeah, they also are not horribly interested in uh, being sued. And did you agree to these terms of service, Jason L. McMaster? I actually have not yet, so uh, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? So- Maybe. Uh, this is part of their new uh, update for for uh, Xbox Live for the front end. There, uh, I actually didn't know this. This I w- my specific news story of the week was the general update. Uh, I just clicked accept. I didn't know that I was agreeing to that. Well, you do now. <laughs> where do I where do I go to call takebacks? Hmm. It's probably the same department that is looking into getting back the fifty dollars that they took from me when it got hacked and uh, and uh, they did not refund my stolen uh, Microsoft points. Probably those same people. Uh, uh, all right. So uh, this, um, how do you feel about this, Jason L. McMaster? Uh, you know, I. It's kind of a creepy move, but I mean, I, I understand why. Because if Sony's going to do it, what's the you know, Sony already got the bad name. They already did it. However, it doesn't make you look good. Yep. Yeah. Everybody's doing it. That's right. Yeah, uh, I mean, it just takes one person to do something like like this. And then, yeah, there you go. Uh, so do you have, then, have you looked at the new uh, front end on Xbox Live yet? Uh, you know, I, I've... Uh, I haven't installed it yet. Now, I've seen, like, screenshots and everything. It looks cool, but, like, whatever, you know. I 
Huh. All right, well, that's that's my news story of the week, so we'll just, I'll just fold it in with you. We kind of have the same thing. Uh, part of this uh, this new agreement, of course, they have the new front end. Um, I'm not that sold on it. I, uh, you know, it has a couple of cool features. Um, I love the idea that you that you can choose any game to be to use a cloud save feature. Uh, that is awesome. You can use roaming profiles. So, for instance. Uh, if I go over to a friend's house tonight and I want to play Dungeon Defenders on his Xbox 360, I can sign into my profile easily. I can load my saved game. He can help me unlock my dungeons over at his house, for instance. Uh, I love the convenience. I tested it out a little bit. It's a very simple matter to just designate a game to save on the cloud. Uh, and you guys use Steam, of course. Like I, I really oh, appreciate yeah. that convenience in Steam. I have several computers in the house, and sometimes I want to play a game on one computer and then test it on another system or maybe just sit in the dining room and play it on a laptop and oh, the steam cloud saves are perfect for that do you uh, uh are you are you part of like the the last 20 years do you have like iCloud on your ipod uh pass all right that's what i thought <laughs> Uh, my, uh, yeah, no, I, I haven't graduated to that level of sophistication yet. I'm still figuring out the cloud saving on Steam and, and the 360. Uh, right. Maybe I'll try that other stuff next. Okay. Um, so I like that on the on the, the 360 update. That's a cool feature. Uh, I at first was intrigued by this idea of beacons. Do you know what these are, McMaster? No, actually I don't. So a beacon... Let's let's say you're playing on the Xbox 360. Now, Jared, you wouldn't know how this works because you're on the PS3 where it's not as easy to say when you log in to see, hey, this person's online and they're playing this. On the on the PS3, you have to tab all the way over to that little right tab and then scroll down the little list. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a lot more convenient. Like, I think Microsoft wants to put that right up in front of you sooner. Uh, who's online playing what game? If I boot up a game, if I boot up, like, Modern Warfare 3, and three people on my friends list are playing it, a little pop-up says, hey, people on your friends list are playing this. And I can hit the little Xbox button, and it, and it lists them. Uh, mm -hmm. So, however, a lot of times if I am... On a th playing a 360 game, let's say I want McMaster to join me in a little siege mode in Modern Warfare 3, and I see that he's instead uh, playing Skyrim. I feel bad. I don't want to interrupt him and say, hey, stop playing Skyrim. Come join me. Uh, that's kind of a little rude. And a lot of times I'll get a request to join a game, but I'm playing something else, and I'm invested yeah. in playing that, and I don't want to be bothered. So... What beacons let you do is essentially post a notice saying, hey, you are willing to play this game in this mode. You can even oh. put a little comment there. And you can list, I think you can have up to five of them listed. Um, so I can put a little tag on my account that basically says, I want to play the siege mode in Modern Warfare 3. So when somebody boots that up, ideally they can, and they're looking for a partner, they can say, hey, Tom Chick on my friends list, he's up for this. He's got a little notice posted. It's almost like a looking for group flag in an MMO or something, you might say. So in theory, I love this. In practice, though, uh, I don't think it's presented very well. As near as I can tell, they've added a new friends panel. And on the friends panel, it shows three people who have a beacon, and it only shows their top beacon, and it presents the game they want to play with a little, little teensy, like smaller than a postage stamp icon of the game box. Oh, weird. And search me if I can figure out, like I thought 
for instance, someone had Saints Row 2 posted. Somebody actually wanted to play Saints Row 2, older game. And I looked, and I, I had to, like, dig into his profile to see, oh, that's not Saints Row 2. That was Street Fighter 4, <laughs> the box. Uh, so it, I just think the beacons are a cool idea, but I'm not convinced about the implementation of them. Um so that said, those are the things that I kind of liked. Almost everything else I really dislike. Uh, the new presentation, which seems like it's built specifically so people can connect their way through the interface. And you know what? Screw that. I want yeah. no part of that connect huh. junk. Uh, so it's just big, flat panels where you can like put your big old fat, meaty connect hand on it and, and move it, I, I think. I think that's the idea there. Uh, I don't need that. There's a huge... Uh, it's ubiquitous in the upper left-hand corner, a tab for Bing, which is Microsoft's uh, crappy little search thing. I don't need to see uh, that. It's constantly there. Bing, in my face. Anytime I'm in the 360, Bing, Bing. I don't want that. Get that away. I want to turn that off. Uh, also, every page now has an ad. It used to oh. be you would you would go through ads as you were cycling past that little front tab, that little front row of things. But now every page, lower right-hand corner, advertisement. Advertisement in your friends list, advertisement in your games library, advertisement in the, the uh, each little panel, Bing search, advertisement. Uh, I just hate that that's there. Uh, they added Facebook, Facebook and Twitter integration. So I guess some people might enjoy the fact that you can now automatically put a Facebook update or a tweet when you get an achievement. I want no part of that, though. I'm not going to bug my friends there. Uh, I also notice... Uh, and here's here's the Microsoft marketing at work. When you hit that little center button on your Xbox controller, one of the options is to return to the Xbox dashboard. Oh, sure. However, that's not what it is anymore, McMaster. You can no longer go to the Xbox dashboard. Instead, you go to Xbox Home. Oh, hey, all right. <laughs> Doesn't that sound warm and inviting? Yeah, yeah, you want, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be better than PlayStation Home. Oh, good Lord. Well, yeah, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> So, so that's the thing. All this grousing about the 360, it's still miles in a way better than the PS3's front end, I think. Uh, but, I'm not going to argue with that at all. Yeah, you know what? That's the thing is you kind of – all that PS here's, – here's the thing, though, Jared. How much are you paying for your PlayStation Network? Oh, that's a beautiful thing. Isn't it, though? Not yeah. a dime. So not only are we paying, what is it, 50 bucks a year, we're also getting 60 advertisements. Now. 60 bucks a year with advertisements. Uh, yeah, that's more ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. I wish more people would get up in arms about that. You know, you don't put advertising on a pay service like that. That's just uh, – and nobody cares. Nobody, You know, nobody – people will grouse about it, but it's just – that's just the way it's going to get done, and I, I hate that. Uh so that's my news of the week is that I don't like the Xbox 360 dashboard update or home update. Right. Um, so, all right. So that's it for uh, bad news, uh, except for Jared's good news. Let's get into some more exciting stuff. Let's talk games of the week. Uh, I'm going to roll a die to see who goes first. You guys ready? Yes. Go for it. McMaster, on a one to two, it's you. On a three to four, it's me. Jared, on a five or six, it's you. I got a four. All right, that's me. All right. So here we go. My game of the week, not necessarily like my favorite game that I'm playing, but something I've been playing lately. Didn't care for it at first, but I think it's kind of winning me over. And I'm a little reluctant to admit this because this is a game. This is a game for babies. Oh, God. Uh, oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, it's played on a handheld. It's a, free, 
it's a yeah, I know it's a freaking Mario theme thing, and I I just oh, here we go. As as I get older and as I play more games, I just hate that guy more and more. Uh, but I think I'm kind of getting won over by Mario Kart Seven. Oh, those are good games. I mean, the Mario Kart games are always good. Yeah. I'm gonna allow this one. Oh, you guys aren't ashamed of me? I love Mario Kart. No, I haven't played the 3DS one, but I like the old ones a lot. Well, the old ones, I never, I, I don't, I don't know why the old ones kind of bounced off me. They just kind of, they didn't seem. I, I don't know that I like the basic model. I certainly don't like the like cutesiness of it. Uh, so, but here's a couple of things that are making Mario Kart Seven work for me, where previous Mario Karts haven't. Um, First of all, the DS continues to amaze me. Not, I don't care about the 3D. The 3D is fine, and it looks decent, but one of the things that constantly happens is in a, in a racing game, like if I'm tilting the, the, if I'm tilting the DS, uh, it'll, it'll phase shift. Like it'll get out of 3D shift, and it screws up. So that ends up being more bothered than it's worth, so I just turn off the 3D. But above and beyond that, the DS looks really good. Uh, the, 3D, the 3DS does compared to the DS. Yeah, it's just such an upgrade, isn't it? It really, uh, it really is. It's, it's like, it's yeah. kind of surprising. And and I under, I continually, under, you know, I'm perfectly willing to accept reduced graphics for certain kinds of games, but for something like Mario Kart, when it really has this big of a jump in visual quality, that really pops for me. That's yeah. a that's a that's a good hook. And there's a there's a an Ace Combat, one of these little arcade flight sim games. There's an Ace Combat that's on the 3DS that also looks really good, and I that's a, that makes a huge difference in a, in a game like that. Um, so actually, before I go on, Jared, do you have a 3DS? I do. And uh, wh- so you haven't seen Mario Kart 7 yet, is that correct? I have not seen it yet. It's actually sitting in my Amazon wish list here, and I'm contemplating grabbing it, but I haven't been able to push over the edge just yet. Okay, so you, you, however, were not, did not react with, uh, you weren't aghast when I, when I chose. Oh, haven't no, oh no, so, no, no. So you are a Mario Kart. You, you've enjoyed these games, right? Yes, I mean they're not, they're not the single greatest games on the face of the planet, but I have played an absolute ton of Mario yeah. Kart DS um, and Mario Kart 64 in my life, so yeah. it has a special place in my heart, even if they're not fantastic, mind-blowing games. Well, you know what? I think I'm going to end up selling you. So, okay, let me tell you some of the things that make it work. So, first of all, the upgraded right. graphics. We we know that. Uh, yeah. Another thing that I continually that I think I underappreciate until I think about it on the 3DS, is that freaking analog nub. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I know that Mario Kart works fine with the little D-pad, but I just love using an analog nub to, to do a driving game. Uh, and I, you know, I love that that's there on the 3DS, and it makes a difference to me. Furthermore, and I wasn't sold on this. I thought there's no way I'm ever even going to try this, but I broke down and I tried it. It has that little gyro tilt steering. Where you can just and and that's as analog as it gets. Where you're just holding the DS and you just rock it back and forth to turn your cart. And you know what? That kind of works. Uh, and one of the reasons it works is because, and I think this is new, you can now drive in first person view. Now, is that new? Oh. Do you guys know if another Mario Kart has done that before? I don't believe they have. I don't because I know that I know they've allowed you to have varying levels of zoom from behind the car, but I don't think you've ever been able to be in first person directly. Well, I'm a little surprised they do that because it definitely uh, minimizes the impact of like what character you chose. You're not sitting there looking at, you know, Princess Peach or your stupid me or whatever. You're you're 
you know, it's like a driving game from the cockpit view. Uh, and with the little tilting thing, that kind of works. And it feels, I'm going to roll this word out, but it feels immersive. You know, suddenly I'm, I'm like there in this little colorful world rather than watching freaking stupid Mario drive around in it. Like I'm there. It's like right there in my face. And by tilting the little DS, it, it feels like turning a wheel. Uh, so I'm really pleased with how well that works. Um, one of their selling points is that you can now glide. Uh, you know, there's uh, oh, your yeah, nice. thing. Yeah, it pops out little wings or a cute little umbrella. And, and underwater, too, right? And the underwater stuff, yeah. Yeah, it looks uh, cool. And that, you know, it's more sluggish. You know, you definitely feel the different physics. And there are some areas where you will either choose, am I going to take the slower underwater area? Am I going to try to take the, you know, stay on this little thin path that goes above the water? Uh, they they do some interesting stuff with the tracks there. I really like that. Um, they also, and I don't think coin collection is new. I don't know how this worked before. But there are coins around the track, and whenever you pick one up, it raises your counter one notch. You can hold up to ten coins, and the more coins you have, the more of a speed boost you get. Uh, uh, however, when you get hit by weapons and stuff, you lose a couple of your coins. So there's this constant back and forth for sort of building up your speed bank with, with extra coins. Now, is that new? Is that how coins used to work? That's new to me, <laughs> It's not new to the franchise as a whole. It hasn't been in every single Mario Kart game. Um, I know that Super Mario Kart way back when had it, and the one for Game Boy Advance that almost nobody played had it as well, because it also had all the Super Mario Kart tracks. Uh, They functioned similarly, but when you got hit, you lost all your coins. Ah. So it was an all-or-nothing sort of affair, and getting them was really important if you wanted to actually win, if everyone was competing seriously for the game uh they did away with it in mario kart 64 and i don't think they had it in gamecube one or a lot of the future ones but i'm, I'm kind of glad to see it come back in a more limited form i didn't like it in its other implementation having it be an all or nothing sort of commitment was a little excessive it, it was really a game that's supposed to be as lighthearted as mario kart it, it would really be painful to like lose all of those coins. I mean, it, it's painful exactly. enough to lose to lose like three or four of them if you get hit. Mm-hmm. And I think the number you lose varies with the type of attack or how hard you're hit. Uh, but there's this definite sense of like, oh crap, I just got a huge setback, not because I got slowed down by being shrunk, but because it knocked a few, it shaved a few coins off of my bank. Um, so I like that dynamic. It also encourages you to pick different tracks. Like you know that, okay, there's a bunch of coins down here I can get. However, if I go on this way, it's going to be a little shorter path, but I'm not going to get the coins. I like that kind of decision-making in the track design. Um, so that's cool. Uh, so those things there have, are kind of winning me over. Uh, and I, I, you know, I, the online stuff, of course, works as smooth as ever. Uh, it does something that I wish Modern Warfare 3 would do, and that is you finish a track, then you vote on which track you want to drive next. And in Modern Warfare 3, you're given, I think, like two, I think uh, uh, Halo does this, you're given maybe two or three, and you, you pick which one you want. In Mario Kart 7, you pick any track you want. And it shows up by your name, and then a little spinner goes through all the names of all the drivers, and it randomly comes down on one of the drivers. And whatever track he picked is the one you get to drive. I kind of like that slot machine approach. Uh, So they, they do that. I like that. However, playing online, and this is, I think, a failing of the game. When I've played online, I'm playing with people who know how to do that crazy power slide stuff. You know, they're constantly oh, yeah. getting those little sparks coming out of their wheels. And I know the basic yeah, yeah. principle there. But even on straightaways, they're doing like these S-curves and getting the boost. Yeah. And 
that just, I mean, I, I kind of hate that I know there's this gameplay mechanic that isn't explained anywhere, by the way. There is no way, there's nothing in the game that ever says, hey, here's how you go faster. Uh, I hate that, and I see people doing that. There's even when you fly, I noticed last night people were doing spins, which gives them a speed boost. I have no idea how to do that. Now, from playing Wipeout, I can maybe guess you go left or right real quickly, but I'm trying to win a race. I can't be bothered to try to test this stuff. Um, so that that's kind of an odd thing is there's this there's this level of like power gaming underneath Mario Kart 7 that isn't I wouldn't mind it if the game would teach me this stuff but the game never tells me about this stuff it never teaches it to me um, so I feel like I'm being left behind there that's assumed knowledge that they're assuming you have from previous Mario Kart games that power sliding mechanic is in pretty much every single one of them but um, what you're talking about where people are just on a straightaway doing that that was uh, in Mario Kart DS they referred to it as snaking it was almost an exploit because it was so easy to do. I'm assuming they probably made it harder in Mario Kart 7, but if you ever get the chance and you're ever curious, go online, find someone who just did a gameplay video of them snaking in Mario Kart DS, and you'll see just how ridiculous that can get. Does your does your game – I'm just I'm going to try to read your mind. Does your game yep. begin with the letter P? Um, yes, it does. Does it have a colon and then two words beginning with the letters T and H? Yes, it does. See, I'm psychic. And I can also that look you at are. your. I can look at your Steam profile too. <laughs> that you can. All right. So what have you picked? I'm glad you picked me because I love this game. I'm quite yeah, fond of it, and I want to hear. I what have it. a few issues with it, but we can get into that in a minute. Um, it is Payday the Heist, mm-hmm. which was recently on Steam sale for half off, which was the point where I felt comfortable plunging down some money for it. Mm-hmm. Um, effectively, what the game is is uh, Left for Dead plus Heat, practically. Um, I mean, you can add a few other games or other things in there, but that's effectively what it is. It's four people performing various crimes, bank heists. Um, there's a level based on heat specifically and all these other um, various things where your guys are just trying to get rich um, and you're always fighting the cops. Mm-hmm. And it's got a very strong cooperative aspect to it. Um, the missions are very heavily scripted, but it has a lot of variation to each individual playthrough of the missions as well. So that's something that I'm really impressed by with that. something I want to talk about mm-hmm. uh, with a chance. Now you're playing. This is this came out. Uh, uh, this is, uh, I think a Swedish developer. Uh, Sony's publishing the game, so it's not on the 360, yep. of course, but it is on the PS3 and it's on the PC. Uh, yep. You, I see, are playing on the PC. Have you tried it on your PS3? No, I have not. That would require me to buy it again. No, things like that on the PC. I also cannot imagine. This is one of those games that I could. Uh, I can like I tried Left 4 Dead with a gamepad and just thought it was just yep. insufferable. Uh, I just I, it felt like it lost so much uh, trying to play it with a gamepad. McMaster, have yep. you played Left 4 Dead with a gamepad? Did we lose McMaster again? McCall. Uh, right, I'm here. I'm here. I'm sorry. Aha! So, uh, have you played Left 4 Dead with a gamepad, McMaster? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, it's just so much better on a PC. Now, have you played Payday the Heist? Uh, no, but I was pretty curious about it. All right, well, uh, okay, so so none of us here can speak about how well it works on the PS3. I am I'm, I suspect not as well as it works on, the, on a PC. Probably uh, not. Yeah. Uh, so, I like Payday the Heist quite a bit. One of the things that... Uh, uh, I really like about it is the hostage mechanic. Do you, do you know how that works, Jared? Yes. Yep. And I love how that ties into the number of lives you get. Uh, 
Uh, and I think this is something that this is something that really caught my eye when I saw it being demoed at E3, and I've been delighted to discover. So each character has a certain number of zip ties, and you would think, oh, zip ties, big deal. What do I care? You can take a neutral person hostage, and you use a zip tie to do it. And the person is then tied up, and they're wriggling on the ground, and you got a hostage. And there's a little counter for the number of hostages you have. So you and your four buddies are playing. You've maybe taken a couple of hostages. Let's say McMaster sucks so bad at shooters that he gets killed by the cops. Ugh, thanks, McMaster. You've let us down. Ugh. Now me and Jared are short one player. What are we going to do? What we can do is wait for a really, really long timer when you, quote, get out of jail, and then you, you respawn, or we can cash in a hostage for you. Now, what that means is we have to physically go to where the hostage is and basically hit the use key to use him or her, and then we trade her for a life for you, McMaster, and you come back into the game. So one uh. of the things... What this does then is it creates these important points around the map where you have to guard a hostage. On one of the maps, like you mentioned that heat map, Jared, uh, where you're going down streets, that hostage may be like a block or two back. You know, it's like, are we going to backtrack and go to, and then on other maps where it's more of a siege mode, you can camp right there on the hostage because the cops will, by the way, free hostages that they come across. Uh, I love that mechanic. I love how that ties into the number of lives that you've got. Um, so, uh, Jared, what do you think of the overall leveling system? That's something that I'm never really a fan of. Um, and most games that they include things like that in, uh, just because it, rest it restricts you too heavily from having a lot of the options available. Yep. Um, I know that f for a fact in Payday, um, a lot of the weapons don't unlock until the much higher levels. You start out and you only have the M4 and the M9 basic assault rifle, basic pistol, mm -hmm. and that's it. And then you have to, there are three different specialties that you can choose, um, assault, sharpshooter, and support. And then as you gain levels, um, whichever class that you have selected, it's not as though you're choosing a discrete class that can only use a certain subset of weapons, it's just a specialty that you have. Um, you can unlock new items in that particular tree. So if I choose uh, sharpshooter right away, and then every unlock I get is going to be on the sharpshooter tree. But I can switch to assault anytime I want and keep on the sharpshooter bonuses. It's, um, a, the, it's a weird system. It's kind of like you're yeah. deciding what bucket to pour your experience points into. At any given yep. time, you open one of these buckets, and that's where all your experience goes, and that's what you level up. It has nothing to do with what you're choosing or what your loadout is. Uh, it's kind of odd. Exactly. Yeah, it's really weird, especially since they're giving you some flat stat bonuses at certain points, like more health. Right. Uh, and you want to get to those as soon as you can because they're the only things that let you survive on the harder difficulties, um, which is another thing we can get into in a minute. But um, just the way that the items are distributed and the way that the bonuses are handed out, it, it feels like the game takes a horrendously long time to ramp up. And for a game that only has six maps right now, I'm sure they'll add more in DLC later, but for only having six maps, some of which you can only play on the highest difficulties, it, you have to grind a lot to get the experience you need to compete on these higher-level maps. That's actually part of what... That's what I think bothers me most, is I don't mind a grind, and I don't even yeah. mind a drawn-out grind, but what I mind is feeling like, hey, I there's no way I can compete on these later maps until I've yeah. played these other maps several, several times and gotten a lot of XP, and I'm playing with other people who have done the same thing. You exactly. Know, I, we, we, I've, I'm fortunate enough to have it installed on four computers here, and sometimes my friends come over and we play... But we're too casual, so we're, we're probably never going to see the last map. Uh, you know, we've yeah. tried, and it's just it's impossible until we level up the characters, and we don't play enough to really level them up casually here at home. Uh, so yeah, it's a weird decision. Yeah. 
So you mentioned the harder difficulty levels. Uh, what, yeah. what, how do you feel about those? Is, is that what you mean, is the harder maps? Well, no, the, there are six maps in the game. Um, the first two maps you can play on all four difficulty levels, easy, normal, hard, and ah, right, super right. hard. Um, the s- third and fourth maps you can play on normal, hard, and super hard. And the last two maps you can only play on hard and super hard. And the maps themselves have varying levels of difficulty. For example, the bank heist that you do right away is a fairly simple level. It, it's not that difficult to complete. The heat level, on the other hand, is a tremendous jump in difficulty, even if you're playing on easy both times. Mm-hmm. Beating the heat level on easy is virtually equivalent to the bank on normal or hard, even. Um, but when you get down to the, the fourth map, for example, that map takes place on a bridge when you're trying to break out a prisoner from a police convoy that got stuck on the bridge. Um, that mission is a nightmare, <laughs> even on easy. We, I have tried that several times with my group, and we've been slaughtered every single time we tried. I can't tell you how glad I am to hear you say that because I thought it was oh just. Oh my I thought God. it was just. I thought my friends just sucked. No, no. It <laughs> okay. either all of our friends suck, or it's just a really, really hard map. Uh, I really don't like that huge jump. I, I'd, I'd appreciate that map being that hard on some of the higher difficulties, but even on easy, we can't even get the trucks open with the prisoner in it, let alone start the escape plan. You know, Jared, yeah, I'm going to need you to play the bank map maybe 20 more times with your friends first. <sighs> Sorry yeah, about that. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about the basic gunplay? Gunplay, I feel, is pretty standard. I do like um, just... The way that some of the weapons feel overall, um, the arsenal that they do give you is relatively satisfying on the whole. Give, once you start to unlock some of the weapons, um, you can get secondary weapons so you can actually carry more than just an assault rifle and a pistol. You get different types of pistols. You can upgrade your assault rifle. My M4, for example, went from being a standard one. I now have a holographic sight and flash suppressor on it, which makes aiming much easier and allows me to get uh, far or to perform better with that weapon than I used to. What does the flash um, suppressor do? Like, there's no it doesn't actually do it. It's just the weapon model. It's okay. They change the model once you get the highest level accuracy upgrade for it. So you actually get a holographic sight. You don't have to use iron sights anymore. Right. Uh, that's kind of neat. Uh, flash suppressor doesn't actually do anything other than apparently reduce the recoil or something, I guess. Or whatever. Anyway, uh, just the, the overall gunplay is fairly satisfying, but I feel that the accuracy is a little too, um, too much like a die roll. I mean, if you're aiming at the guy's head with your weapon and you pull the trigger, the game's inherent inaccuracy might send the bullet over his head or off to the left. And when you only have four guys against an infinite swarm of police, it it seems a little unfair and cheap to do that so frequently, especially when you're actually using the iron sights. Maybe you need to uh, put more points into your accuracy scale. You know what, Jared? Maybe you need to play the bank level for 20 times and, and hit some of those accuracy improvement unlocks. I think you're onto something. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about, because this is also something I really like in there, the health and ammo model, where each player has to carry, each like you get, you can carry like extra zip ties, you can carry a, a Kevlar vest, but some of the things you can carry are a little health thing that you drop where people heal up, or an ammo bag that you drop where people get ammo, because otherwise you're just scrounging a couple of rounds at a time from dead cops, but yep. when you drop, like I, I like the way that it forces you're not necessarily a class, but it forces one guy to take health, another guy to take ammo. Like I like the way that it forces this sort of cooperation uh, of loadouts with the, the the health and ammo model. Yeah, um, I'd agree with that. I do like the, just the way that they did the health in the game. I, that's the sort of regenerating health that I like. You get a certain portion of your health that can regenerate. In this game, it's your equivalent of armor. You get shot once or twice. You can recover that. 
completely. There's going to be no permanent impact from that. It's almost um, like the shields in Halo, like in a weird yeah. way, because you see a little yeah. outline around your portrait, and the first couple of hits you take knocks that outline down. And if you didn't yep. take cover, then the outline fills back up. Yeah. Exactly. But once you take health below your outline, then it actually drains your picture in the corner of the screen, and that's your actual health. You can't regenerate that without a medic kit or without getting knocked down and picked up by a teammate. Right. Which right. recovers less and less health every time, which is another thing I do like. It's a subtle touch, but uh, if one guy gets knocked down ten times, the tenth time you pick him up, he's going to have a, a quarter of his health left, and the, as opposed to the second guy. If he gets knocked down once and gets picked back up, he has 75%. All right, so, so kind of, it ensures that you actually play smart and don't exploit that mechanic. So, McMaster, we need you to stop dying. Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> I'll try. Uh, what do you know about every now and then it pops up a little warning triangle that says something like assault wave, or uh, yep. I forget the actual terminology. Yeah, but it seems yeah. Okay, and it seems to me the idea there is stop moving because a bunch of dudes it's like it's sort of like when a horde arrives and left for dead isn't it yeah. like is the idea there okay now a bunch of badass stuff is getting thrown at you warning yeah the assaults are spaced out over the course of the level so you start out and obviously at the very beginning of a mission nobody's going to know you're there there'll be maybe some security guards or some very basic cops walking around but once and everything goes horribly wrong or the cops find out you're there they start to send officers in and they, they're normally just a trickle Start out with standard police officers, then the armored guys show up, and then SWAT, and then the special guys in bomb suits come in. Um, but the assaults are periodically just, then you get warning of them 30 seconds before they happen. That's when they just pour hordes of these guys in through the door, and they all charge at you. And it, the goal of that, I'd assume, is to keep you moving, keep you from delaying um, what you're trying to do too heavily. It keeps you progressing throughout the mission, because there's these guys will wear you down. Eventually, if you're not fast enough. Um, but at the same time, what it also forces you to do is to really take advantage of those lulls between the assaults right. to complete the mission objectives or to at least get the process started. For example, in the bank heist, you have to wait four minutes for a drill to punch its way through a door, and there's going to be an assault during that time. But you need to make sure you get the drill set up before the assault comes, or else you've got guys running all over the bank collecting the equipment and getting things set up. You want to make sure you're in position at that point in time. Are the assault waves not randomized then? Like you, you, the, I don't they, know, actually. I, okay. I haven't played enough to figure that out one way or the other. I, I feel like the, at least the first assault wave is on a specific trigger. I mean, you get to a certain point in the mission, like, okay, now you're at the point where we're going to throw some guys at you. Right. One, um, of, one of the things I do like, and I don't know how much of it is, is them just sort of tricking me into thinking it has more impact than it does, but I like the sense that everything doesn't unfold the same way every time. Uh, that, like, in the, in the heat mission, sometimes there's a couple of cops right at the end of that first alley. Sometimes they're not there. Uh, yep. And so I, I like this sense that you know, like the director in Left for Dead, there's some sense that, that something is being randomized. You may not always yeah. see the same things every time. Uh, and so like with the assault waves, I don't know how much that's the case, but I like that feeling in the game. Yeah, I don't know enough about the game from a strictly technical aspect to say, you know, they send assault waves every five minutes, or they send assault waves when you right. complete these specific objectives. But they do feel relatively well-timed to... And I, I say well timed. They come at inconvenient moments that right. force you to think on the fly, and that's the sort of um, sort of what I expect out of the game it, for it to throw curveballs at me and ruin my plans, however uh, limited they may be. You know who I hate in that game uh, is his name 
I'm going to screw it up. Isn't there a guy named, isn't the traitor in this, the heat map, isn't his name like Matt? To that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, Matt. Oh, freaking Matt. <laughs> like you, have to, you, have, you have to burn him out of the van and then you have to yep. escort him along and prod him and freaking Matt. God damn it, Matt. That Matt guy. Uh, McMaster, can you keep an eye on Matt? Just follow him, make sure he's moving. Sorry, I can't shoot him. <laughs> Matt is immune to damage from you. Yeah, you, you can't. Uh, <laughs> you need Matt alive because he chained the plates to his hand. Oh, Matt is so annoying, that guy. He's a jerk. <laughs> Just think uh, about how the Heat Street mission would be if he didn't turn on you in the first second. Oh, I know. You could have avoided all that and just you moved just on to... And then you drive away. Done. Yeah, you then move on to that crack house mission or whichever one is next. First, first time we played that mission, we're like, oh, so we're going to go get these plates, right? <laughs> and you start with the plates, and then this jerk steals them all and runs and he away. Taunts you. He taunts you through a locked door that you can't open until he's about to get away. <laughs> yep. Wow. And, and he's the getaway driver, and he goes and he crashes the van three blocks down. He's a sucky getaway. Yeah, who? Glad we were paying him to be our escape artist. Yeah, he sounds like a bad guy. Did you hire Matt McMaster? Did you did you vet him sufficiently before you hired him? Uh, <laughs> hey, listen, I, I thought uh, John hired him. <laughs> oh, Fred, well, it's probably uh, when we play McMaster, we're going to need you to carry the uh, the med kit, and right. uh, and we need you to just stay behind and guard the hostages while we uh, forge ahead. Can you do that? I could try that, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so Payday the Heist. I'm quite fond of that game. I'm glad to hear you mention it, Jared. Uh, I, I think they've done a good job. I'm looking forward to what they're going to do with it going forward, and I look forward to one day being able to play Beyond That Bridge mission. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I don't know how many levels I'm going to need before we can seriously take that on, but even with – I think I'm level 45 now and still can't handle it at all. Whoa, whoa, that's actually very discouraging to hear. Are you serious? Uh, yeah. That may have to do with how I'm leveling myself, but I have three or four of the body armor health bonuses. Are there bots in it, or is it purely multiplayer? You can have bots, but they're very ineffective. They're the kind of bots that just follow you around and shoot at stuff. They're not going to do any objectives, so it's going to be all up to you to handle it. So it's not like like Left 4 Dead's bots, then. I mean, not like they do objectives, but I mean, they're actually pretty decent. Yeah, they're competent shooters, and they'll help you up if you get shot down. If they oh, don't okay. drop ammo bags or health kits or any of that stuff, they're just there to shoot things. Yeah. And they have infinite ammo, which is kind of nice, but you having to do all the objectives by yourself, is it's not fun. So I can't yeah. recommend it without at least one other person there. Now, have you played much? Like, it seems to me, I've only tried a couple of times, but I've never, it doesn't seem like it's one of those games like Lead and Gold, which was this cool Western theme shooter that never developed a, a sort of an online community. Uh, no, I really like Lead and Gold, actually. The, oh, I do too, know, yeah. I, think, I wasn't it's, a fan, a personally. Yeah. I, I like the design, I like the way it uh, sort of forced you to stay with other players, but the problem is nobody was ever playing that online. I don't get that sense with. Uh, payday? Like, have you been able to find random people online, Jared? I don't play with random people. I have a group with got about five okay. people who all bought the game, so whoever's around, if we feel like playing it, we'll all just grab four of us and go. Right. Hmm. So, yeah. so I think that's really the way to play the game. I find it harder to recommend playing with randoms, though. Definitely play with randoms instead of the AI, because the AI is horrendous at doing anything. Same. It's it's like I really like Left 4 Dead, and I like Left 4 Dead too. And I've, I've you know Left 4 Dead too. I've probably put a couple hundred hours in at least. And oh, yeah. like I I could never play with random people. I mean, I could play versus, I guess, or whatever, or you know, like the like 
multiplayer modes, I can't do co-op with random people. It's just like irritates yeah. me too much. You know, it's like a really widespread uh, of yeah. like skill levels on, <laughs> on Left 4 Dead 2's random. Yeah. Uh, well, all right, so Payday the Heist, uh, good choice, McMaster. Uh, we need you to get it so you can carry our med kit around behind us. Yeah, I'll do that. All right. Uh, so, McMaster, I'm going to guess that I know what your game of the week is. I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm just going to guess that it begins. Here, I'm, I'm tuning into my psychic <laughs> abilities. It begins with the letter the letter D, and it ends with the number two. I, You know, I don't know. I, it's, <laughs> I, I, I want to pick it, but um, I know that, like... I don't know. It seems like there might be a better time or ah. something, you know, just because of because I, I know you know uh, you guys really aren't the big uh, Dota two fans. So. Well, I will have you know, Jason L. McMaster. I just accepted an invite into some Dota two oh. group that some dude sent me, even though I don't have the game and have no intention ah. of playing it anytime soon. I am a member of the group, so I can. Speak- <laughs> I can speak authoritatively about what it's like to hit accept on that little message. When you're in- <laughs> and I have yeah. played two games of Dota 2, so I am authorized to describe how, what it's like to flail around helplessly as you get <laughs> slaughtered by people who are ten times better than you. Yeah, you know, I mean, really the big thing with Dota 2 is, uh, have you played League of Legends or Heroes of New Earth? No. Nope. Okay, well, like... Problem. Those games are so, they're, well, League of Legends I can speak authoritatively about. I, not as much Heroes in the Earth. I've played it, but not a lot. Um, they're faster feeling to me, or League of Legends is like a lot faster feeling. So, I, I like Dota and Dota 2, but it's, it's such a game as like compared to League of Legends, where the whole game seems like kind of action-filled. It's a snow. It, it, a lot of games I've played of it so far, like Snowball. You know, you, you just like they start off slow, and somebody just becomes so powerful that no one else can handle them, and that's when the game ends. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of weird. Um, but now, uh, and then I, I'm also reticent to not talk, you know talk about the other game that I really like, which is uh, the Old Republic. I got to play a lot more of it last weekend. Um, wasn't that your game of the week last week? Yeah, I know. It's it. I don't want to do that. So you can't, uh, you can't do two in a row. Um, you know, so I'm going to do something weird. I'm going to talk about an iPad board game. What? <laughs> I I know, right? Uh, <laughs> but it's probably a board game that people are familiar with. Um, good. Tigris and Euphrates. Um, I at least heard of that one. That's on the iPad? Is it on the iPhone? Can I play it on my iPhone? I don't know. Let me. Uh, maybe. <laughs> um, look that. Look that up real quick. But like the thing about it is, uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting. And uh, I had not played the original. Which ah. Is- because you, you uh, mean, when you say the original, you mean the actual physical board? Actual board game, right? Okay. And yes, it is for the iPhone as well. So, awesome. Um, but it has a it has pretty decent AI and uh, it has a pretty good tutorial. So I went through it and I'm still kind of like improving at it, and I suck. But it's a very fascinating game, um, and that's that. Really, overall, that's my favorite thing about the iPad. I think so far is there's a lot of really good board games on it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and uh, many of them designed by the guy who did Tigers and Euphrates. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Actually, his whole uh, yeah, quite a few of his games are on there. 
So, Jason L. McMaster, I'm going to throw down a gauntlet here. I defy you to say his name out loud. Oh, Jesus. How do you say it? God, uh, I'll try. All right. Good luck. All right. It is. We're all behind you. We all support you. God, let me let me get a good look at it. I got to prepare myself for this. Feel free. Feel, feel free to do some vocal warm-ups if you need to. Reiner Nizia. I think you hit the. I think you're supposed to actually hit the K. I think it's Knizia. Knizia. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, was, it was a noble effort. And yeah, a lot of his games are uh, yeah. adapted to the I, iPad and the iPhone. Yeah. You know, something I'm excited about is like Days of Wonder is doing a bunch of stuff uh, for the iPad as well, like Ticket to Ride and Small World. Now, those are already out, though, aren't they? Yeah, they're both on, like, current. Like, um, I've been playing a lot of Small World as well. Uh, Fantasy Flight Games has That's My Fish and Elder Sign. Uh, yeah, but uh, back to Tigris. Uh, you know, I like any game that I can play against AI if I don't feel like uh, feel like I'm good enough at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has a pretty good, like, AI uh, feature with uh, different uh, difficulty levels, etc. Um Tigris is a very mathy game, so I can imagine it. Not that it wouldn't be hard to make a good AI, but I could imagine that it would be more practical to sort of make the AI understand all the game mechanics than, yes. than it might be for something more sprawling or with more moving pieces. It's a very elegant game and very mathy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, certainly not a uh, dice game. Um, but yeah, the uh, the thing about the AI is like even on easy, you know, since I'm kind of new to it, like uh, I get rolled. Like I hardly ever win this game. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not getting stomped. But, like you know, I don't. I, I usually end up like a point or two behind, and um, it has just, a, it has a really weird scoring mechanic. Yes, like it's it whoever gets scoring mechanic. Yeah, it's like whoever has the most points in their lowest scoring category. Like you kind of have right. to like wrap your head around as you're playing. You can be like, oh, I'm kicking ass, and no, you're only doing as well as you're doing most poorly. If that makes right. sense, uh, you know. And and the thing is, this is like okay. The, the the way the game basically works is you have four uh, leaders. Of uh of different types, you have what is it? Uh, agriculture, or I mean farming. Um, you have temples. You have your king. You have um. I just think of it as blue, red, green, and black. <laughs> right, right. And uh, you get like a handful of uh, tiles of the same, uh, you know, just randomly assorted. Like if you've ever played Puerto Rico or something like that, you know, shuffling mm-hmm. tiles um, or Carcassonne, um, and um. You start you you there there are like what six or seven temples on the on the board itself already and they have treasures on them and you start by placing uh, one of your uh, leaders next to one of those leaders always have to be placed next to a temple and uh, you keep building these tiles out to create civilizations um, and the difficult part is uh, or not civilizations cities. Um, the difficult part of the game comes in where you add certain amount of uh, a certain amount of tiles of the different colors to bolster your leaders, um, but the enemy can attach to your you know different uh, cities, or um, you can actually attach them via just like growing them together. 
um, and there can only be one leader in a city. So you have to basically do a, a card flip, and whoever has the most points gets to stay, and the other one is removed, and his the tiles he was connected to that he controls are removed. So it's it's this really crazy thing where you're, you're building up these cities. They get large, they get large. Then all of a sudden they connect, and then just stuff starts like being removed from the table like crazy. It just changes the landscape. Um, but the scoring itself is based on if you place a tile uh, of the type that one of your leaders controls, you get a point for uh, in that color. You have four different scores. You have red, uh, green, blue, and black. And your final score is the lowest of all of them. So it forces you to constantly build. So if I'm uh, playing McMaster, I can't just ignore farmers? I can't just say I'm not going to build any right. blue dudes? Correct. So what if I don't want any of those? Well, then you are in trouble. <laughs> uh, you're not going to win. Uh, I do love it's it's hard to wrap your head around the dynamics of like the difference between the civil unrest and then the whatever they call it like the open warfare like there's this sense of like an internal challenge and an external challenge uh, and it sounds a little dry but it's basically the difference between like a, an uprising from within and two cities fighting each other uh, right and you kind of have to play the game several times before that kind of clicks uh, it is very simple it is very elegant but it's it's hard to kind of learn. Uh, and it's hard. It's even harder to visualize. Like uh, Tigers and Euphrates is, is one of those games where the more you play, the more you can look at a board and sort of perceive patterns and, and possibilities and outcomes. Right. Uh, and it's really gratifying once you once you learn it. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I'm really enjoying it, but it's got it's got a very steep curve. Um, so, what do, can you play asynchronous multiplayer? Like, does it have anything like that where we could set up a game and then take turns over different days, or does it have live multiplayer or or just it, local um, multiplayer? What sort of options are there? It has um, it, it has multiplayer. You can play two to four players, but I have not tried it online yet, so I, I'm not sure exactly how it works. I'm inviting Tom Chick right now, though. Uh, McMaster, I'm going to need you, so I'm going to be the archer. Jared right. is going to be the bull. We need you to be the vase. Can you be the vase? Oh, I'm totally the vase. Or you can be the lion if you want. You don't have to be the bull. Okay, I'll be one of those, but we still need you to be the vase. Okay. All right. Uh, that's, like, that's like who's going to be the shoe in Monopoly. You know, who wants that piece? Everybody wants the battleship. Nobody wants to be the shoe. Everybody wants the lion or the bull or the archer. Nobody wants the vase. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think that there's any like actual uh, like just sit down and play together kind of thing. Uh, you could play local by passing it around, but on online we would take turns, and I think it would just hit you through Game Center and just say, "Okay, it's ready for your turn" or whatever. Right. Uh, Jared, are you into board games? So you know oh, of Tiger? Yes, ah. I know of Tiger Euphrates very well. Never played it, but I know of its existence. Now, why don't you own a copy of Tigers and Euphrates? If you claim to be into board games, I believe Tigers and Euphrates is consistently in like the top three at Board Game Geek. What kind of self-respecting board game player doesn't have Tigers and Euphrates, Jared? A terrible, terrible person. <laughs> uh, there are just so many classic games that I really need to have copies of, and I simply don't. I, there's no excusing it, really. All right. Uh, what games do you own then? What do you have? If we go to your house, so me and McMaster are going to come over tonight. We're going to play board games. What are our options? Well, I'll probably try and force you to play Battlestar Galactica. 
because that's my current favorite one. Um, that being a fantastic adaptation. Uh, aside do from you, that... Real quick, do you have both expansions? Yes, I do. All right, good. We're set. McMaster, you're going to be the Cylon. Is that okay? Yeah, that's cool. Whatever. <laughs> I like the way you agree on that say. going in. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So now, so now, Jared, we know who the Cylon is. We figured it out. It's McMaster. Right. Toaster. <laughs> uh, all right, what else do you got? What else can we play if we don't want to play Battlestar Galactica? What about what if we want something that's more open warfare, head-to-head? More stuff? open warfare. Um, let's see. Well, I've got a lot of just the standard ones. One of the more recent Axis Allies games. I've got a few variants of Risk, 2210, um, which I'm actually quite fond of, despite not liking standard Risk a whole lot. Yep. yep. Toying with the idea of getting Legacy just for the novelty of having it, but I don't think I'll ever find anyone to play it with. How, how much does a copy of Legacy cost, by the way? $60. Ouch. You can probably get it a little cheaper if you look elsewhere. You probably get it down to about 45 Like um, from Sawhammer or something. Yeah, that's yeah. still... It's still awfully spendy for a game that you pretty much have to sit down with the same group every time to play it. Could you imagine what a nightmare it would be to sit down and play Risk Legacy with somebody who's already been through like 10 games? And you're having to like look at, it would almost be like playing somebody else's character in an RPG. Who, yeah. who's, he's yeah, already leveled up. You have yeah. to sign the board when you start playing the first game, so having anybody else what sitting What the there. hell are you talking about? Risk Legacy? Haven't you heard about that? No. Oh, this is crazy. So the, uh, they had the designer, Rob... Dav- I forget the guy's Rob last Davio. name. Yeah, yeah. So he was on a Three Moves Ahead podcast recently where I, I had heard of the game. Uh, yeah, I'm but, behind on Three Moves Ahead. I need to get catch well, up. Those, those guys totally broke down how it is and what it works. And it's basically a board game with all of this long-term metagame stuff in it where you change the rules and you change the board and you throw away certain cards and you add certain cards depending on the outcome of games that you've played. So if I own a copy of the game and I've played it five times with my friends and Jared owns a copy of the game and he's played it five times with his friends, his copy of the game is going to look completely different than mine. He'll have new rules that have been folded into his copy, which won't be in my game. His his little territories on his board will be marked different ways than territories on my board. Um, so it's it's a sort of a, a bold take on board gaming, and it adds the kind of metagaming we know from computer games and RPGs and leveling up mechanics and stuff like that mm. to a board game. Uh, That's the really beautiful part is it absolutely kills collectors because they have to deface their copy of the game in order to <laughs> actually play it. It would send me into hysterics, probably. The first thing you do when you open the box that I've heard about, this is a great touch, there's a little slip of paper that you have to cut before you can even open it. And you, you cut that little slip and you open it up and you see that you just cut a piece of paper that says that which has been done cannot be undone. <laughs> oh. That's just the first step. <laughs> you get uh, envelopes used... that are sealed with cards in them that you have to add into the game partway through and you tear up the card that you don't add in. You oh. can never use it again. You write on the board and name water crossways and add fortresses that are there forever. I used to have some friends that I would play uh, Magic the Gathering with, and we would just have a collection of, like, like we had we, we bought the same number of cards. You know, none of us was going to go off and collect a bunch of extra cards. And the idea is that we would keep the number of cards we bought in lockstep with each other. Like, we would each have a starter deck and then a few boosters, and then at some point we'd agree to get a few more boosters. And we did this because we wanted to play with the, uh, I forget what you call it. It's where you put a card out of your deck. and Anti, right, right. You, you have an anti card. That's how I used to play. Yeah. And that's how the game was supposed to be played. They eventually 
took that rule out. But we played with the antis, and one of the things we would do is when you won an ante, the other people who owned that card could then write on it whatever they wanted. And it was uh, it was generally some der- some variation of "f you for taking my car," you know. And so we were writing that on the surface of the card and, and defacing them, uh, and that was regardless of the rarity of the card. You know, a lot of lands got marked up, but I think there were some uncommons that, that got marked up in that. Um, oh, you bastard! <laughs> That's the last straw. I could be so much richer now if only. Yeah, I had... <laughs> God, if I kept my collection, I could make so much money now. But I sold mine years and years. And you probably weren't writing on them. Oh no, no, I, I played a long time and played in tournaments and stuff. Uh, so, McMaster, your your game of the week, Tigers and Euphrates. You suck at it, yeah. so therefore, yeah. I look forward to us playing a game. Uh, <laughs> and. And what, what, by the way, possessed you to get this? Because it's a fairly, I guess it's a well-known board game, but it is fairly dry. What, what made you jump into this particular Rainer Knizia game? Um, it's the one that kind of uh, piqued my interest before. Uh, you know, a big thing for me, actually, is I buy a lot of board games, and then, like, yeah. no one wants to play them with me. So, uh or, or they play them like once, or we set them up, and they're like, oh, my God. And then we just put them back in the box. Um, so, like, if I can make virtual people play it, and they have to, <laughs> then I'm interested. Like, uh, I, I don't know if there's, like, a copy of Kalos on here. I've been trying to play that game for the longest time. Um, or uh, I think Thurnan Taxes is on here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is going to be awesome. I love the iPad. So like my copy of Twilight Imperium. It's never going to see the light of day. Oh Jesus! Sit there and yeah, that... in my closet forever. Yeah, yeah. Twilight Imperium is uh, it's quite an undertaking. Oh, I know. Uh, I'll play uh, with you guys. Come on over. Let's let's start a game right now. Yeah, that would be good. Um, we we can be out of here by five a.m. I I, yeah, I will say that easily the most. Uh, obnoxious tutorial I've ever seen in a board game was from the iPad Small World. Like, uh, it does not explain the game. It really does. So, because you have to read the manual that came with it, right? No, it's like a walkthrough kind of thing. And it's like a walkthrough that basically makes the computer kick the hell out of you. So it's like, I kind of didn't want to play it anymore after the tutorial. Oh, great. (laughs) You would think the tutorial is where it would let you win. Right, but it's like, yeah, once you do this, and the computer's like, oh, fool! You know, it's like, uh, I just got destroyed, and it doesn't really explain anything about the game. I ended up watching, like, a YouTube uh, video about the board game uh, to learn uh, learn anything about it. Also, it's only two players, maximum, on the iPad. So, Small uh, world? Yeah. I don't know why they did that. Like, it, you know, you should be able to do multiple play, but they only did two. Oh, nice work, Days of Wonder. What are they thinking? Yeah, it's like weird because I mean they've got two of the expansions in there, which is cool. It you know adds the other stuff, but or, like the other you know card combos. But like their ticket to ride is just like really well done. Um, it's really full featured. So I'm, yeah, you know. but the the drawback there is you're playing Ticket to Ride. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, so McMaster and Jared, I have an important question for you guys before we go. This is going to require some soul searching, and I demand an honest answer. Right. Has either of you ever let someone else win a game because you didn't want to discourage them from playing again? Like Jared, let me ask you real quick: Are you? Do you have brothers and sisters? 
I have one younger sister. Aha. Perfect example. Yep. Have you ever let someone, like, say, your younger sister, win a game because you didn't want to discourage her from playing again? Tell me the truth. Not that I can recall. Why are you... That's vicious. Why are you such a bastard? <laughs> it's in my heart and soul. What can I say? I hear you. <laughs> now, McMaster, you were uh, married to uh, a young woman who, as far as I can tell, is very good at games. You probably wouldn't have to let her win, but have you ever been in a situation like that where you're like... Hey, honey, I want to show you this game, and then you just intentionally didn't play up to 100%. Maybe you only played at 80%. Does that ever happen? Yeah, yeah. at first, you know, when I first started dating Sarah, sure, yeah. And then she just started getting so insufferable <laughs> that uh, it, it just it's like a battle royale now. When she, uh, before I started recording, she was like, you better tell Tom my new paranormal score, which I don't know. Oh, God, I... <laughs> You don't want to. It's it's so ludicrous that like I was playing the older public last weekend, and she comes in here after a while, and she's like, "Ah, oh, I need you to come with me right now." And I'm like, "Oh God, what?" So like, we go to the other room. She's like, "I'm on my first ball," and she's like, "And I beat Justin Fletcher's high score with it." And I was like, "Oh, this is not going to end well." And uh, yeah, she's at like 320 million on Paranormal. Uh, you know what? When it when it comes to pinball, I I think your wife is a work of art. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I just was like, man, I can't. I don't even know if I want to play anymore. You know what, McMaster? Uh, so here's what I want you to tell your wife next time you talk to her. Ask her what her high score is currently on Thor, Moon Knight, X Men. <laughs> And uh, what's that fourth one? Anyway, I just I should be downloading that in any moment. So for a brief period before the game actually comes out, uh, your your wife's will have zero points. Your wife's score will be zero on four tables. That's gonna kill her. That's gonna hurt her soul. Well, I will be sure to send uh, the little message. Oh, I can't send it until I beat her score. I'll just send her an email and I'll keep her up to date on, on what my score is. For screenshots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's a sickness. Uh, so, by the way, Jared, you, yes. uh, that, you know, I, I kidded you before about not being able to, like, play Halo, you can't play Gears of War. I think where you're really missing out on not having a 360 is this freaking Pinball FX2 addiction that McMaster and I struggle with every week. Well, um, it's, uh, it's on the PS3, but... Yeah, but it's yeah. in Pinball. They don't have, they don't have the same... Oh, they don't have two? Oh, hmm. Uh, they also don't have the same front end. Like, they don't have all that super score stuff. Like, all that is unique to the 360. You can get a lot of the tables on the PS3, but you don't get that, that, that sort of social motivation behind playing right. tables. Uh, Your wizard I'm not a huge pinball fan, so it's not the end of the world for me. You know what, though? You don't have to be. You just have to no. be a, a fan of scoring, <laughs> of points. And watching those numbers go up. Yep. Oh, my God. It's it's really addictive. I, I was never, like, a big pinball guy either. And then I'm I just like, oh, what the hell's Tom talking about all the time? And then, yeah, it went right. downhill from there. Well, you know what, McMaster? So next week we will report back with how our first game of, of uh, Tigers and Euphrates went. Yes. See how that goes. We are currently tied on the zombie versus SWAT debate. Thanks, Jared, for disappointing me there. Uh, I love to serve. <laughs> uh, McMaster, who are we going to have joining us next week? You know, that's a very good question, and I wish I could answer it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, next week, we have Jamie Madigan. Ah, and can you pronounce Jamie's forum name? No. 
Actually, you know what? I think he changed it. His forum name used to be... i got to move the mic away to do this. His forum name used to be... Oh, so it's like his actual name now, though, right? Yes, he does go by Jamie Madigan, but I think it used okay. to be the, the Bill the Cat T-H-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, so... All right, so Jamie will be here next week. We will be talking about our games of the week, our news of the week, and our post of the week. Jared... Absolutely. Thank you for hanging out. I'm glad to have finally met someone from the wild open wastelands of North Dakota. It's been a pleasure. Stay warm. I'll be around. <laughs> All right. <laughs> See you on the forum. Take care. Take care. Yep, you too.